You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. So I want to look at something very simple, but I think it's quite profound. And if you look at the Christmas story, let's call it that, two of the main characters, Mary and Joseph, actually represent probably everybody here. And we have what I call the Joseph Company and what I call the Mary Company. And in essence, when we look at, the, at this few scriptures, the well-known scriptures, we find Joseph doesn't open his mouth. And we find Mary asks, actually, if you look through the Bible, a lot of questions. So we're looking at Mary's questions And if you will, Joseph's silence, Joseph's obedience, Joseph's experience. And as we think of the Christmas story, and we think of these two main characters in the Christmas story, let's not get um, carried away with the glitz of Christmas. Let's focus in on what the Bible actually says. And how can we learn from these two very big personalities, or important personalities in the Bible? And so we pray, Lord Jesus, your word would feed us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when we look at Mary's questions, we see when you and I are introduced to who Mary is, we see that she starts asking questions. And this is a theme right throughout her life. And Mary was asking questions and it was great. And then Mary started crossing a line as she went through her life. Let's just establish some home truths first of all. There is um, a misguided belief that Mary was without sin. That's not true, with all due respect. Mary, by her own mouth, when she sang her praise to her Savior, she said, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Who needs a Savior? A sinner. So Mary wasn't without sin, yet she was most blessed among women. So let's just establish that as a ground truth. So we really want to see what the Bible says more so than just what's believed in the ether. So I'm going to look at Luke 1 for Mary, Matthew 1 for Joseph. They're very similar accounts, but I think Luke just brings in something of Mary's personality. And there's something in many of us probably half of us here, and our personalities or our makeup is a bit more like Mary because she asked questions. And I certainly think I'm a question person. So let's see. This is uh, Luke 1. You know this story. God sent the angel Gabriel to visit Mary. This stage she's probably maybe 16. She was engaged to marry Joseph. And the angel said, you will conceive And give birth to a son. And you're to name him Jesus. Mary was deeply troubled. And she asked Gabriel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Gabriel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. I am your servant, Mary replied. I pray today that you and I would get beyond a shallow look of the Christmas story and actually see why it was recorded. The 
scripture verses here weren't recorded so we could buy lots of presents, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually recorded so that we could learn and employ the truth there into our lives. So, very simply, Luke 1.34. Mary was deeply troubled by Gabriel's words, and she asks the question, How can I conceive since I am a virgin? How can I conceive? I don't know about you, but that to me is the most reasonable of all questions, isn't it? So here's a, let's say, 16-year-old girl, and she's told she's going to become pregnant. And if you think that's kind of uncomfortable in today's society, multiply that with steroids by a million, and you're kind of getting there with how it felt like in ancient Jewish society. She couldn't understand. And Mary's natural response, maybe you're like this, is to ask a question. Why? Mary needed to work it out in her mind before she moved forward. She was deeply troubled. And, and here's another fallacy. We think when we encounter the supernatural, it's always going to be, ha-ha, sometimes our encounter with the living God or with the supernatural can actually disturb us. It takes us out of our comfort zone. And Mary was very much out of her comfort zone, but she asked a question. How is this going to happen? If you ever studied journalism, there are six words and they're called the six masters and they cover everything, every question you'll ever want to ask. Five start with W. Why, when, where, who. Why, when, where, who, which. Or what. And then the sixth one is the H, how. So Mary is asking how. So anything going on in your life and you want to ask a question, it'll probably start with what, when, where, why, who, or how. And so Mary asks the question. And the interesting thing is Gabriel does not rebuke her. The Lord never rebuked Mary for her question. He listened to her question. He understood this was her makeup and where she was coming from. And he answered her question. And Mary's reply, do I have it on the next one? Yes, here we are. I am your servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. When Mary asked the question, and the question was answered, she was okay with it. She was fine. I remember talking, we, we had a man who became a Christian uh, recently, um, just about three or four weeks ago. And uh, he was a thinking man, or is a thinking man, and he was trying to understand the journey to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I was trying to explain it, and this is what I said. I said, some of us think our way into the kingdom of God, and some of us feel our way into the kingdom of God. We all end up at the foot of Calvary, we all end up at the foot of the cross. So we all end up in the same place on our journey if we're sincere. And for the people who think, who ask questions, your feelings will catch up with you there. And for those who feel primarily, your thinking will catch up with you at the foot of the cross. 
but our motivation and the way we begin our journey is different. And that dynamic continues throughout your Christian life and throughout your life and my life. So Mary was someone who asked questions because she had to get it up here first. Right throughout the Bible we read that Mary observed, for example, Simeon and Anna, or she observed various things that happened throughout the life of Jesus Christ, and it tells us she just pondered them in her heart. She stored them up. Mary had to go away and reflect on what was said. And so here we see exactly the same thing. She asks the question, and when she gets the answer, she's a faithful servant of the Lord, and she, if you will, surrenders to it. So this is a huge, important part of the Christmas story. And if I could just very briefly divert for one minute, if you look throughout Mary's life, she keeps asking questions. When Jesus was almost a teenager and he got lost in the temple and they found him after three days, it wasn't Joseph who asked Jesus the question, it was Mary, son, why did you put us through this? And if you look at the answer, Jesus mildly rebuked her. He said, didn't you know? Didn't you get it? I had to be about my father's business. Is this really a surprise to you? Didn't you get it? It was a mild rebuke. And then when Jesus was an adult, we read that he was preaching in a house and Mary came to the door and she sent word, I want you out here, I have a question basically to ask you. And Jesus actually sort of rebukes her publicly when he declares to everyone there, he says, who is my mother? Anyone who hears the word of God and obeys it is my mother, my brother, my sister. So his mother Mary is left outside the door and she's really kind of rebuked quite publicly. I don't know, but Mary was a human being. I don't imagine she went home full of joy. I think she'd have been a bit hurt. You see, the thing is, if you look at Mary's questions, which with the Christmas story began very legitimately and understandably, Mary's questions actually went a bit too far. And the issue was Mary was trying to understand everything and control everything, really. And that's where she went too far. So if you are a thinker before you are a feeler, if you're someone who's got to work it all out in your head before you take the next step in life, beware of crossing a line where you're afraid to move forward unless you can get everything. That's a control issue. There's a point in the life of every Christian where you have to say, I don't understand what's going on here, Lord, but I trust you. And you have to leave your thinking and your control issues, I'm talking to myself, at the foot of the cross. You go back to where it began, at the foot of Calvary, where the blood of Jesus washed us clean, and we bring our questions there, and we don't cross the line too far. I like what Rick Warren, the very famous pastor in America, he said, if you give it to God... He transforms your test into a testimony, your mess into a message, and your misery into a ministry. Hallelujah. Even if you look at Mary's life, she was being tested as a 16-year-old girl. Her life, through no fault of her own, looked like it was going to be a mess, 
And it looked like she was going to end up in misery. So for Mary, sitting there trying to work it all out in her head, what's going on in my life? How am I going to take the next step? It was a test. It was a mess. And it was potentially misery. But God transformed it into a testimony, a message, and a ministry. A message and a ministry so much that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Hallelujah. So that was Mary's approach. But when we look at Joseph, we look at something very different. We look at Joseph's silence. We look at his obedience. We look at his experience. Now, I think all of us will fall into one or two companies. I'm calling it a company. I'm not talking about a limited company. I'm talking about a group of people. I think half of us here are more like the Mary company, and half of us are more like the Joseph company. Actually, I always remember um, years ago, I was working for an office equipment company, and part of my role was to go and collect money. This is back in the mid to late 80s. And uh, back in those days, nobody really had credit cards. Debit cards weren't invented. There was no internet or anything like that, so you didn't do a bank transfer. So usually with a lot of companies, you had to physically go and pick up money or checks. And I can remember being sent to collect money to two customers of ours. One was in Kerry, and the other was not too far away across the border in County Limerick. And I can remember having to go and collect money for a printer down in Kerry, or over in Kerry. And his full name was Horace O'Leary, but everyone knew him as Horse Larry. So Horse Larry was a horse of a man. He was a big man. Now, Horse Larry um, was also a part-time farmer, and he ran a printing works, and I was asked to go and collect, I remember it was 3,500 punts, old Irish pounds. And I had to go and collect it, and I hadn't been to him before. And I remember when I was trying to find out where the printing works were, I had to walk through his farmyard. And I went to this awful, filthy, dirty, dilapidated shed, And he was in there printing, and uh, I remember there was another guy came in before me, and I just knew how to handle him straight away, because the other guy went, Hello, horse! (laughs) So I knew that's how you had to address him. But I remember collecting three and a half thousand punts, and it was all in cash. And I remember the notes, he had no shortage of money, but they were filthy dirty, and they were all in kind of balls like that, you know, we had to count it out. And I collected that money. And my next call was to a convent about uh, maybe 40 minutes away over in County Limerick. And they were known as the Little Company of Mary. So when I'm talking about if you're in the Mary Company, I'm not saying you're a nun, brothers, okay? I always remember I went from Horse Larry's printing works and I went in to collect money from this convent, the Little Company of Mary. And um, I remember there was this tiny little old nun, and she was so nice when I came in. She says, welcome to our community. Come in, come in. And I went into the convent. She says, you come in and you'll have the tea. I said, no, I'm fine. You will, you will, you will. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we played the Irish game. If you're not Irish and someone offers you tea, make sure you play the game. You always say no, maybe three or four times, and then you feign, you pretend you're giving up, and then you drink the tea. So she bought out the tea in a little a little uh, china cup and saucer, and we drank the tea, and uh, she went out to get the tea. But when she was coming back in for the tea, there was another few nuns there, and they were, welcome to our community. And it was the little company of Mary, and 
Next thing, the little nun went, ah! and she looked at me, ah! and she points at me, and it was like, ah! it was like, is it because I'm a man? A man beast has entered or something, you know? Ah! And then she kind of goes, ah! her finger goes down, it's like, oh, what's she saying? And she points right down to my boots. And what I realized was the little company of Mary had beautiful cream carpets. And I'd just come from Horslery's farmyard. And my boots or my shoes were full of mud or muck, as we say. And I had walked right through the little company of Mary's beautiful, beautiful cream carpet. And of course, they didn't have dirty cash for me. They had a lovely little check with beautiful little writing. And anyway, I was, so, so the little welcoming nun turned into like the little monster. You have to leave now! So I was excommunicated from the little company of Mary. But I still say today, if I analyze myself, I am in the Mary company. Not the little company of Mary, but the Mary company. So I identify with Mary and her need to understand when we look at Joseph, we see something totally different. Let's remember what Matthew 1 says of more or less the same account. But this is Joseph's experience. When Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, he had in mind to end the relationship quietly. But an angel appeared to him in a dream saying, What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you are to name the boy Jesus. And when Joseph woke up, he did exactly as the Lord commanded, and he took Mary to be or as his wife. How interesting that the stepfather of Jesus Christ, the main male role model of Jesus Christ, never once in the Bible opens his mouth. He never talks. You can take it for certain that Joseph was much more one of nature's listeners than one of nature's talkers. And what we see is that we don't even see that Joseph went and accused Mary. It just says that he made it up in his mind to end the relationship. Do you know what we're going to do just before we go any further? Will we play that video clip again? This is a new movie out, Mary and Joe, and I think it captures the emotion that the two people were going through. It's just a minute and a half. Music as well, guys. So it's done in a contemporary setting. It's trying to capture Mary's emotion and also Joseph's emotion.
And so I don't think it takes too much imagination for any of us to try and work out how did Joseph feel as soon as he heard the news that Mary was pregnant. Thank you, Otto. You can throw back the PowerPoint. How did he feel? Well, the scripture tells us he got a dream. And when he woke up from the dream, he did exactly as the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. Here's the thing. What I find fascinating is Mary had a living experience of an angel, but Joseph just had a dream. And it was this dream and that alone that caused Joseph to do and to walk and to become the man that God wanted him to be. He obeyed exactly the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. And Joseph doesn't ask one question. I bet you half of us here in our lives, we don't actually need to work it all out in our heads. But Joseph had an experience and he felt okay. He felt in his waters, as we say in Ireland, in his gut, he knew in his spirit and in his soul, God is in this. I'm to obey the Lord in this. And there isn't a question in sight. So Joseph, is he the strong, silent type? He possibly could have been. What I do know is he's someone who responded to a spiritual experience and then he immediately obeyed and he was a man of action. He didn't have to ponder everything for too long as soon as he had a dream in your sleep. But that's all he needed, that supernatural touch. Dreams are part of the prophetic ministry in the scripture. The Lord still speaks to us today through dreams. Would anyone say amen? amen. Going to sleep at night isn't just sleep. Sometimes there's something supernatural can happen. And the Holy Spirit can speak to you and I through dreams. And so Joseph has this experience and he obeys and he doesn't open his mouth. And when we look Towards the other end of the nativity story, the Christmas message, we're told that the Lord warned Joseph again in a dream to flee or to run from Herod. And when you read through it, he doesn't ask any questions. It just tells us he got up, he took the child and his mother, and they went to Egypt. Yet again, the same pattern emerges. Yet again, we catch a glimpse into the soul of this man, Joseph, and how he was motivated and what caused him to do and to obey. And this again was a huge move. He was going to Egypt. He was leaving, sorry, this is echoing up here. He was leaving where he was and he was responding to just a dream. However, the dream again was his spiritual encounter with the Lord. And for some of us today, our experience, our encounter with the Lord is when someone lays hands on us. It's a prophetic message. It is perhaps a dream. It's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, that experience is enough for us. Does that mean that Joseph was unthinking? Of course it doesn't. Remember what I was saying at the start. Some of us begin our journey to the kingdom of God, through the kingdom of God, and we begin our journey to Calvary's cross in our emotions and some in our thinking. Your thoughts will catch up with you. No doubt Joseph's thoughts catch, 
caught up with him because it tells us later on he made a calculated decision when it was time to go back and he wouldn't live in one area and he moved to another area and all of that. So Joseph was an intelligent man. He had his own thoughts, but the first thing that motivated him was his experience. So which are you today? Are you someone who thinks first and you experience later? Or are you someone who experiences first and then you think later? To quote Pastor Rick Warren again, he says this, I don't know why everything happens, but I know God is good. He loves me and life on earth is not the whole story. What happens in your life is not the whole story. You have an eternity ahead of you. In fact, who you are on this earth is a tiny part of a bigger story, but how we act on this earth is hugely important because it impacts the rest of our eternal experience. And for me, what Rick Warren says here, just like the Mary, the one I quoted from Mary, Joseph didn't know why this was happening. He could have said to the Lord, why do you have us go to Egypt? You bought us up out of Egypt. I bet you Joseph could have come and quoted loads of scriptures and banged the Bible on the table and said, come on a second here, Lord. Let me quote you a few scriptures. And when someone uses the Bible as a weapon, you've lost. You've lost. At that time, for his experience, he needed to move to Egypt for two years and Joseph experiences the dream and he obeys the Lord. And he didn't understand what was happening. You know, Mary had to understand and the Lord honored that and respected it, but she was never to cross the line. For Joseph, he didn't have to understand, but the danger with the Joseph company, if you're listening, the danger is if you stop experiencing the Holy Spirit, if you no longer have a somewhat regular encounter with the Spirit of God, then everything starts collapsing. Both of these companies, both of these types of people have great strengths, but we're silly if we don't recognize that both of us have an inherent weakness where we will fall down and we'll fall into the trap of the devil. So here's the thing, the one who hates you, if you're a thinker, will try and get you to overanalyze, analysis, paralysis, trying to get you to control everything, and that's where you and I will trip up. And if you're experiential primarily, or to begin with, if that goes distant, if you fall into any kind of laziness spiritually, then the whole thing starts collapsing because you're not going to start thinking it out if you're not experiencing it. And so very simply, my thoughts for Christmas is that most of us get a few days where we can draw breath. Most of us have a little bit more time than we normally have. If you are someone who asks questions, can I encourage you, bring your questions for your life, for your new year, for your health, for your family, for your career, for your ministry. Bring your questions to the Lord, but don't go too far and don't become a control freak. 
and don't try and overanalyze. Have faith. Learn from what Joseph did and try and experience the Holy Spirit in the midst of your questions. And if you're not the questioning type and you haven't had that many dreams lately and you haven't had the sense where you've had to pull the car over because the Holy Spirit was with you, or you've sensed the filling of the Holy Spirit, or you've gotten a new energy as you pray in tongues, if you have the gift of tongues, and you've sensed that wind coming through. If that hasn't been your experience for a while, you need to ask the Lord for that experience again. We both have strengths, but we will both perish if we don't recognize that inherent weakness in our makeup. And so I'm going to simply pray today that the questioners bring their questions, but we know the line. And the experiencers make sure that that experience keeps fresh and use the time over Christmas. Praise God, you like all the good movies or whatever. Wonderful. But if it's only all movies, and it's only all turkey, and it's only all chocolate, something is very wrong. I, I am probably a voice in a wilderness, but I, I'm unrepentant. Carve out time. Even if you say, well, look, I'm back at work the day after Stephen's day. Okay, well, that's two whole days. Surely you can get an hour in two whole days to spend time with the Lord and bring your questions before him or ask him to experience a dream or a touch from heaven or fire from the Holy Spirit in you. These are noble prayers, guys. There's a spirit of Christmas that's nothing to do with the Bible. Let's use Christmas for what it really is about. God came and dwelt among us. He knows how you're made up. He knows how you're made up. Let's bring the authentic person that you and I are to the Lord and let's pray he helps us because we go and give him the time this Christmas. Guys, could you come up, worship team? I've asked them to sing a Christmas carol, but there's a fourth verse to Gloria in Excelsis Deo. That just means glory to God in the highest, isn't it? That's what it means in Latin. And there's a fourth verse, and it talks about Mary and Joseph lending their aid. Whether you're the company of Mary or you're the company of Joseph, we're going to pray for our questions and for our experience, for our thinking and for our feeling, by God's grace. Will you stand with me, and then we'll pray. We'll sing the first verse and the fourth verse. The words will be up on the screen. Then we'll pray and then we'll close with the carol.
reason I started on this journey with this word is I had a vision over a number of weeks of something very strange for me and it was of a water lily and I don't know if you've ever seen the plant but it's a beautiful plant but it will only grow on water yet it flowers if you will above the water and to me it just crystallized my thinking on this because you would think a plant needs to be in soil but some plants need to be in water and the danger is you are a round peg and you're trying to fit yourself into a square peg hole or you're a square peg and you're trying to fit yourself into a circular uh, cavity and the thing is be comfortable with who you are if you're a feeler God made you a feeler you don't have to be an analysis but if you're a thinker don't apologize for that that's who God made you we are all needed as we serve the Lord and as we rebuild the temple today, if you will. So if you're a thinker and you've got questions, would you lift your hands where you stand? And if you're someone who very much appreciates the experience and that's what your first step normally is, and you know you need to experience the Holy Spirit again, especially over this season, would you lift your hands? So here we are, thinkers and feelers. We're going to sing the carol again. Can I invite you to stand at the top and let's commit our needs to the Lord this Christmas. You don't have to leave your seat, but I'm inviting you if you'd like to. So let's sing again, throw up the words. If you could make your way up and then we'll pray. Angels. question and you want to know why who what when where would you lift up your hands and put the question in your hands and Jesus we pray that over this holiday season that you would hear our question prayer and you would answer our question prayer even as you answered Mary when Gabriel appeared to her we don't want, Lord, to become control freaks. And as we lift our hands, we equally say, we surrender to your superior knowledge. And you are God, and we are both human. So we hand our questions over to you, but we do so within the boundaries of the knowledge that God is greater than we are. In Jesus' name, can you say amen if that's your prayer? Amen. For those of us who know we need to experience the Holy Spirit afresh, 
And over this Christmas, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us in a dream. We need the anointing. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need a new release in the gift of tongues. Or maybe for the first time, we want to pray in tongues. Would you lift your hands? Here we stand, Heavenly Father, and we pray on Christmas Day, on Stephen's Day, sometime over the Christmas break. Lord, we offer ourselves and we say, Lord, speak to us. Let us experience your Holy Spirit, the power of heaven, the anointing of heaven, our dreams, the prophetic Jesus Savior. Will you move upon us and will you cause us to connect again with what we need to connect to? Let our experience be heaven sent in Jesus name and if that's your prayer can you say amen, amen. just a, a word for a number of people um, for Ji Hong and for Paddy Dwyer Harrington for both of you guys I saw a, a dough of bread being mixed and it was like you were put into an oven at the wrong temperature and I believe the Lord is Ji Hong for you he's the temperature is too low. The Lord is turning up the temperature. I believe the Lord is saying, prepare for uh, an increase in the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Paddy, I saw the temperature being turned down for you. And I felt the Lord is saying, he is turning down the pressure so that you can get that balance right in your experience with the Holy Spirit. May that come to pass it is your word and your will in both these guys' lives, in Jesus' name. And I believe the Lord would say to you, is it Mita? Mita, would you just come forward, sister, just for a moment. I just feel the Lord would just say to you. And this is what the Holy Spirit would say. I am picking up the broken pieces and that which was broken will always have a scar but the scar is nothing to be ashamed of says the Lord that scar in your past and in your life is a testimony to the glory of God that scar is a biblical scar that scar is something you should take comfort in because through that experience and by what you went through, the Lord would say, it marks you out as someone who has known God's favor, someone who will continue to know God's favor, and someone who can say, the Lord has brought me this far, he will bring me home fully. The Lord would say that scar from your past is like a warning to the devil and every demon in hell. They will not come near, near you says the Lord because they have seen the Lord has helped you in the past and the living God is saying to you Mita oh how he will help you again for in the new year you will see miracles says the Lord in the new year the demon that would have troubled your wider family will be bought to heal and he will never trouble you and your family again because the Lord is breaking chains that go right back in the family tree. The scar on your soul is a testimony 
to the goodness of the Lord in your life. And so the Lord would put his hands under your head and he would lift up your head and say, there is no shame here. There is just a wonderful testimony to the goodness of the Lord in your life. Be pleased and have faith for the new year because 2017 is a year of deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's return to our seats, but maybe we could stay standing. And I know this is a carol, and you mightn't even know it, and the words were written hundreds of years ago, but the motivation of the writer hundreds of years ago is the same as the motivation of the people in the New Testament, and it's the same as your and my motivation today, to glorify God and to declare, who else can we go to? It's only the Lord we can go to. He's worthy, and we declare He is the one who deserves the glory in the highest. Let's sing it to the Lord, and then we'll close.
One last thing. As I was walking down the stage, I felt the Holy Spirit say, say this, over Christmas, some who are praying for physical healing will be healed. If you're praying for physical healing, I can't say it's you, but I know the Holy Spirit is saying, this is a different Christmas. It's a Christmas of healing. So as we close in prayer, if you or someone you love needs physical healing, would you lift your hands? By the power of the Spirit of God, the God who in the Bible healed, we declare, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. May the healing of the Holy Spirit come upon you or the one you stand for now. And during the nighttime or during the day, may you be overshadowed by that Holy Spirit. And may your bones, your organs, your skin, your ill health, be brought back to the way it was meant to be. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Ghost and God's people said, Hallelujah, Amen. We believe in the God of miracles. In the meantime, we've got tea and coffee being served upstairs. If you have to go, God bless you. Don't forget, Christmas Eve, as soon as the shops are closed, we're going to praise God here. God bless your week. And we'll see you in a few days. The guys will clear us out. Thanks, guys.